congregation of Jesus Christ. We are still thinking a little bit about uh, the Canada Day weekend, last weekend, and today we have our picnic. It's a church picnic, but it ties somewhat into uh, Canada Day and things like that. And just to, to give the sense, too, of, of what's being talked about here, if we would reflect for a moment on what, what is the hope of Canada. If you look at that flag, if you think about the nation, we have been blessed, of course, but, but does that just continue? Will our resource-driven economy keep booming along? with exports of oil and gas and timber? Will the Quebec situation rise up again and break up our union with a successful question and sovereignty campaign? Will we be able to work out the tensions with the First Nations that keep coming up? Where, where is the hope of this great country? It's a great country, but will it last? And so it's good to give thanks for our country. It's good to love our country, to celebrate its many advantages. And, and our hope is definitely that it will continue. Sometimes we just assume that completely. I'm just going to keep going. It's going to be fine. But as Christians, or sorry, as Canadians, we have that hope that we can stick handle through all the various threats and be secure and prosperous. As Christians, our hope is much greater and much more secure. We thank God for this country, but we know that we are citizens of a better country. Yes, even better than Canada. And so this morning, too, we want to take hold of that hope more completely. It's expressed in the Bible in many places. One of the places, perhaps most significantly, is in Hebrews 11, where towards the end of the Bible, the, the whole sense of what God has done is reflected on with the heroes of faith, from Abraham through many different people. And there it says very clearly, Abraham's hope the hope of Isaac, the hope of Jacob, the hope of David, the hope of all these people was for a city, for a country whose architect and builder is God and which will be sustained through their life and through eternity. There's a picture of a, a place of peace and joy, of justice and love, and eventually that gets described in the Bible as the new heaven and the new earth. No more uncertainty, no more struggle. So our present and eternal hope, our confidence needs to be in God who is building and establishing his kingdom and that we see ourselves as part of that. Then, then we are secure in God's grace in Jesus. This is true hope. This is powerful and practical. And it's expressed here already in 2 Samuel 7, one of the most amazing passages in the book of 1 and 2 Samuel. So I want to just unpack it for you here this morning. 
We've been looking at the life of David through the summer. In 2 Samuel 7, God, God comes to David and does an even more amazing thing. You probably don't remember this passage from 2 Samuel 7, but what is being expressed here is more amazing than David defeating Goliath. It's more amazing than all the stories of how David uh, was protected during the years as he waited to be king. And there were some amazing things God did. This is the highlight. In establishing God's king or David's kingdom here, which is what we have, it says in verse 1, the king is settled in his palace with peace from his enemies all around. In, in having done that, well, that's a great and amazing thing. But that's, that's just a small symbol of all that God is doing. It's, it's like a sacrament. It's like a small symbol. You see a small part, but, but the bread and the wine express a much greater, marvelous truth of what God is doing. And by participating in this small symbol, we enter into that huge hope of God's saving grace for us and his kingdom being established in and through us and in this world. And so David here too, as king in Israel, it's just a small taste, a foretaste of that great kingdom of God where there will be peace and justice and love eternally. God's everlasting kingdom, which will be worked completely through his anointed one, David, the anointed king. And we looked at last week, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. So this hope is expressed here with an assurance that as we trust in God, as we look to Jesus, we are fully part of it. And in fact, God establishes us. He makes our life our hope secure. That's the most amazing thing. We see it here at this point, looking at what we have looked at in terms of the life of David. We, we have looked at different things over the past number of, of weeks. And in the intervening chapters from last week, from 1 Samuel 26 through to this 2 Samuel 7, Saul has died in battle. 2 Samuel begins with David writing a beautiful song of dedication to Saul and Jonathan. And then David is made king over Judah, the tribe of Judah. And then he has to wait six years. There's civil war. Abner is fighting against him. And now, finally, in chapter 7, he is king over all Israel in Jerusalem. We find him settled in his palace and what we read about at the very beginning in 1 Samuel 16, where Samuel pulled the family of Jesse together and anointed David and said, you will be king. Now, finally, David is king. David is 30 years old. It's interesting, Jesus began his ministry at 30. There is a sense too. Now David is ready to be the king God wants him to be. But in all of that, as God's will is done, as God's great plan is unfolding, as David, David finds himself the recipient of God's grace in that, 
there is still the sense of David having a place in a much greater plan. And we all need that. We need that view of God at work so we can find our place, our hope, in that sure promise to be reminded of that again. David is reminded here. We are reminded in the Lord's Supper. There is a bigger work of God going on that we are privileged, blessed to be a part of. And so often we lose sight of that and then we lose our hope. Things are breaking down. We are running stuck. So we need that at the center as our hope and our confidence. Here in 2 Samuel 7, David, David has experienced that sense in his life of God's blessing. And, and now uh, he expresses himself in a way, in a sense, that, that has the, the sense of I, David have done a lot of great things. I have killed Goliath. I have avoided all of that danger with Saul. I have taken Jerusalem. You can read about that, how David takes the fortress of Jerusalem from the Jebusites. And there's a sense here David is saying, now I am in my palace, and now I am going to do a little more for God. I've done all this stuff for God, And now I'm going to do a little more. And that sense is what's challenged. He wants to build a temple for God. And that's a good thing. He wants to honor God rather than God living in that tent, that tabernacle. And so in that too, he is is strengthening his own kingdom. If he can establish his his, uh, temple, a solid place, stone and wood, and that God is there, and then the kingdom is there, and that is more secure. And he is building things, and he's hoping that things continue to go well. That's that's a shift that often happens in our thinking. I'm doing things, I'm doing good things, I'm doing things for God. I have God there to a degree. Uh, I hope things go well for me. Through all I'm doing for God. I'm helping in the church a bit. I'm doing some volunteer stuff. I hope it's enough. I hope that, that, that things will go well for me. That God will bless me. It's a moving to a, a person-centered hope. A hope centered on what I'm doing. And I hope I'm doing enough. But, but there's no real hope there. Because we're never doing enough. And God's gracious and amazing work to Nathan, to David, describes a different hope, a sure and certain hope. God is saying, it's not about you, David, or what you do for me. In verse 5 of our reading here, very clearly God God speaks uh, through Nathan to David, reminding him, that, that he has taken the people out of Egypt, out of exile. He has delivered them by his power. David wasn't there. He didn't help there at all. And then he points to David's life, verse 8 and 9, reminding David, you were a shepherd, and I took you and established you. Reminding David that it's God's plan at work. 
Then, then at the end of verse 9, highlighting too the plan to work through Israel, and instead of David building a house for God, it's God's plan, and God doesn't want David to do that. He wants Solomon to do that, and, and David is just part of that bigger plan that God is doing. And so in that, in that, David has to find his place. And it's such a gracious statement in verse 11 that God declares to him, the Lord, the almighty God declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. The Lord himself will establish a house for you. Let me put it this way. You have a house. I have a house. We work hard to buy it or build it or pay it off. At the same time that you and I are working at that, we are working to build our family, our household. And you better work hard at that. Work hard at building a household of faith, serving the Lord. You are trying to to build something of yourself in your life with your energy, with your strength, with your plans, with your vision. And you hope that it works out. I sure hope it works out because I'm putting a lot of work into it. You hope you don't get flooded out like people in Calgary or High River. Imagine that, the house you've built, the house you've worked at. What a setback. You hope to pass on faith to your children. You hope to see your grandchildren. You hope to build into their lives a work ethic and a faith vision. You are trying your best to build things up for God. And that's good. Absolutely. It's worrying, though. You hope it all works out. It's wonderful, comforting words of God to David and to us saying, your hope is not, first of all, what you can do. Your hope is in what God is doing for you and to see yourself as part of that. In 2 Samuel 7, the people are are thinking, here we have a new king, here we have David, all will be well. We have David. And Nathan thinking too, as a temple boy, if we have a temple, everything will be well. But what if things go bad like Saul? In verse 15, Saul is mentioned again. What if David turns away? And he does at a certain point. We'll see that next week. Then what? Where is our hope? And what if in our lives too, you and I, we make a mistake. We lose our job. We lose our house. What do we do? Problems arise in the family. Kids are are struggling. Hope is fading. What can we do? 
instead of even thinking and seeing all the fine things we are doing, that we actually realize how we are actually struggling in our lives as we are trying to build things up. And really, in a lot of ways, what a mess we are making of it. And what a poor witness we are as parents to our children and as grandparents to our grandchildren. We could do so much more. We could say it much more clearly. We could live out our faith much more powerfully. We are messing up. Why we need to come again every six weeks to the supper to acknowledge our sin. Why do you need this? Almost perfect. Hope is in myself. To recognize again, yes, Lord, we are messing up. The hope is not in ourselves. God says not even in the temple. And later on, too, with the temple itself, the temple becomes more of a problem than a help. If you read in Israel through the years, It becomes like a magic charm. God is God. And in the end, the temple is destroyed in 586 B.C. Where is the hope? Hope is God. The hope is that God himself is establishing a house, a, a kingdom, a vision, a place, a purpose, a redeeming center in the living Lord Jesus Christ. And that That hope is the center of our lives, his living presence, his power, his committing himself to you. He will not give up on you and me. Now that, that's a hope. That's a solid foundation when we falter and fail. That's a certainty that we can take hold of by faith. And so that promise becomes the solid foundation of the hope for Israel, for David, even in his struggles that we'll look at, for us in our struggles. That we find our place, that we are established in God's work, God's saving grace for us, God's will for our lives. And so we celebrate the supper, reminding us of our hope in our weakness and sinful lives. Our faith in God is the only sure hope that we build on when we put our faith in him. So it's not what we can do for God, but what he does for us. Our hope is in him. And that, that sense, even in a great country like Canada where we live, where we are tempted by the goodness and the fact that we are able to handle ourselves fairly well. We don't need God. No, we need God, even here and especially here. Jesus spoke often of the kingdom of God, and he speaks about it as a mustard seed, that small but growing work of God. And so we, as people gathered here in faith, far from the center, far from Jerusalem, far from Israel, Yet God is here. What a wonderful witness to God's presence at work. And the sense when we don't see it sometimes in our own lives, the lives of those around us, then that sense of the yeast, that Jesus works by the Spirit to continue to bring hope 
to build a kingdom, to build into the lives of people who recognize their struggle, who can then see and receive that powerful witness of the Spirit, the hope of the kingdom, keeps moving us forward. So this morning, people of God, we are reminded the victory is secure. Jesus is the living Lord, King, seated on the throne, bringing all things to completion according to his perfect will. So we put our hope in him. Amen.